0: Welcome to the Unsweetened SIO podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsio.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 5 of Unsweetened Sayo the podcast. How are y'all doing today? Um, I am doing really well. I'm just sitting here on the couch. Chris has the kids so that I can record this and I am. Um, we were supposed to get a huge snowstorm here in Portland and where we live we got zero I mean zero Um, so we were all ready to you know be stuck inside all weekend and some areas did get snow and I know Seattle got quite a bit but where we are we got nothing so I'm sitting on the couch which is hard for me because I really love to pace when I'm talking. As most of my friends will tell you, I love, especially on the phone, I love to walk as I'm talking, but that doesn't make for really good sound quality, (laughs) so I'm trying to sit still. So I have my weighted blanket on. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law got that for me for Christmas, and I love it. I, um, it's kind of like a throw blanket size and I tried it after getting it. I tried it, um, in bed cause I thought I might really like that cause I like to have some heavier covers on me, but it felt a little suffocating actually. So I didn't love it in bed, but now I keep it downstairs here on our couch and I love at the end of the day or Sitting here this morning, putting it on, and it really does kind of instantly calm me down. So I don't know if anyone else has one of these, but I really, really love it. It just feels really soothing. So here I am relaxing with my weighted blanket. Thank you, Matt and Gina. And today, I want to talk about staying sugar-free while traveling. I think this is something that is so challenging, and there are many people that have jobs and lives where they're traveling or are on the go a lot, so it's just sort of, you know, our reality that not all of our meals are going to be at home, and it's something that I really took into consideration um, before starting my one year of being sugar and flour free, I tried to pick, I picked January, not only because it would be after the holidays, but also because I didn't have any trips planned until March. So I had like a good two months before I was going anywhere. And I know in the past, that's always been hard for me to be, remain kind of off of sugar while traveling. And I think a lot of it is what I'm learning is just really Bad habits that I've built up over the years, which I will go into um, you know i've had a lot of jobs in the event world where i 'm traveling and eating at hotels, and it's a lot of junk food, and I think that was definitely kind of a um, <laughs> increasing my love of sugar throughout the years, so anyway. When I started in January, we did have a trip planned to Maui in March, Chris and I. It was one of the first trips we've taken, just the two of us, you know, since the kids really were born, that was longer than a night or two, and we had gotten this really good deal to Maui, and so we went over Chris's spring break. My mom took the kids, and I think we had five or six nights. It was pretty amazing and so um, you know I was only a little over two months in still facing a lot of cravings wanting to you know give it all up um, and throw in the towel I didn't know if I was going to be able to get through the whole year but you know I had gone two months and I just kept telling myself you know just keep going just keep going and so when we went to Maui I was thinking you know we had a place that we had a kitchen, the property had grills like barbecues outside. So we were, I knew we would be able to go to the grocery store cause we had rented a car and get our own food. Um, and then we planned to only go out once or twice, but again, you know, Maui has a lot of healthy, I knew that I would be able to find fish and salads. But I figured again, because I don't know when you go to a restaurant, what's, What they're using in the sauces, I thought. Being still pretty new into my recovery, I wanted to be careful. So we had kind of planned to go um, to the grocery store and figured that would save some money too. And so we get to the airport, and that's really where I had my first big trigger. And it was that usually when Chris and I travel, we would buy like a bag of peanut M&Ms, or even on my own, I would do that. That was kind of my treat traveling flying I would always get this bag of peanut M&Ms and I could see Chris really wanted it too and I was just thinking you know no I can't I definitely wouldn't be able to watch you know Chris eat it so instead um, I don't remember what I packed that time I'm sure I had some nuts and um, usually I pack like an apple and some almond butter And the flight from Portland to Maui is, you know, somewhere around five hours, so I had also made sure that I had um, a meal that I could eat on the plane, too, and I just brought a salad from home with some hard-boiled egg in it, you know, something that was a little heftier. But it was interesting that even though I had food with me, just that automatic um, trigger of, ooh, Usually I get peanut M&Ms, you know, sent me on a little bit of a spiral where I had to fight to get back on track and say, nope, I don't do that anymore. Um, so now I realized when I travel, you know, back in the day, too, when I was traveling full time as a travel director right out of college, that was my first major job working for a big travel company and being a full time travel director, where you just go on site to these big events and execute the program on site, um, a lot of times I'd be on the road, I mean, that's all I did, so I could be on the road 25 days out of a month, and I remember eating a lot of airport Cinnabons, Ugh! just like thinking a bit about it now makes me cringe. Um, because even when I was still eating sugar these last few years, Cinnabons, I mean, as far as being able to taste just the chemicals and the, you know, additives and that just makes me like grosses me out now. But I used to eat one of those or, you know, probably once or twice a week because I was traveling so much. So now what I typically do is make sure that I always have a lot of snacks with me And that always is some, you know, an apple, some kind of almond butter or peanut butter. I really like the Jason's packets, you know, you can buy. Recently, I flew and tried to fly with a jar of Jason's almond butter, I think it was. And that was, you know, a huge no-no because it's technically, I guess, considered a liquid. So that didn't get past TSA. But when I traveled with the individual packets, that seems to be fine. So, and I didn't even put them in like my separate, you know, um, toiletry bag that you're supposed to, but as the packets, they just went through themselves. So I always have a few almond butter, peanut butter packets, an apple. Sometimes I, I pack some popcorn, you know, you can buy that at the airport, but it's like $6 for, you know, a tiny thing of the skinny pop or, um, you know, those other types of popcorn they have now. And then I usually bring some nuts too from home. I buy a big uh, jar of them at Costco. And so I usually put them in a bag and bring those with me too so that I have plenty of snacks. I always bring my water bottle too and just fill up at the airport. I used to always buy bottled water and that can easily be five bucks. So now I just bring my glass water bottle that I love and once I get through security I find a water filling station fill it up and then I know at least I I don't like the idea of getting stuck on a plane without food or drink and I've had that happen before where you know you might be about to take off and then you get stuck on the tarmac for like an hour an hour and a half that you're not planning on And now knowing that I have, you know, water and snacks, I'm prepared for any delays or anything like that, that might happen. And I love that, you know, in Portland Airport, but most airports now too, have those filtered water stations next to the restrooms and the water fountain that, you know, is filtered water to fill your water bottle. So I always, always make sure I have that too when I'm traveling and that helps the other thing that I kind of do more of a treat now because I don't do it every day is if there's a Starbucks I will get myself you know an unsweetened iced green tea which I love that's always like a treat for me and then I really like their sweet potato chips I don't know if I mentioned that before Um, it's just like the Starbucks ones and they're in a purple bag Uh, they don't always have them but I really love those and you know looking at the ingredients I mean potato chips aren't the healthiest things but there isn't any flour or any sugar in them so added sugar so I just eat I'll eat grab a bag of those and then that kind of feels like a treat to me so it's no longer peanut M&Ms or you know Sometimes I would pick up like the weirdest snacks in the airport, like combos, you know, those like pretzel things filled with cheese. I mean, I rarely eat those, but something about traveling make really brings out road trips are like that too, where you just end up, (laughs) I don't know, eating a bunch of junk food you normally don't eat. So again, it's retraining yourself to replace those bad habits with better habits and, You know, it's not like I just don't eat in the airport at all. I just make better choices. I also, when I'm flying, I know Portland Airport really well because I fly out of it a lot now. Um, But and we're really lucky because they have so many really good restaurants there with a lot of options that I know that I can eat. But when I'm flying somewhere, like last week, I was in San Jose and I haven't been there before. So, you know, I looked up my hotel and then I found some, you know, just looked up restaurants around there and made sure I had two or three options that I knew when I was getting meals outside of the hotel that I knew I could go somewhere. I always try to be prepared that way. And same with airports. I'll look up, figure out what terminal I'm going to be flying out of, and then I see what's available to eat in that terminal and a lot of times I rely on things like um, chipotle or Cadoba or some kind of Mexican um, grill because it seems like I can always get a burrito bowl and that's one meal. If I, as I've talked about before, that works really well for me. Where I get, you know, brown rice and some chicken, black beans, salsa, some guacamole, maybe some chips if they're flour free. And that's a meal that just does really really well with me so I always look up in the airport and if I can't find anything then I'll make sure I bring something with me and that's what I did um, this last trip to San Jose I did bring a um salad with me. Um I could have bought something in the Portland Airport, but I just felt like having a really like that garden bar salad. So I brought that and had it on the plane. So I'm just always really prepared. I think that's the key with going sugar and flour free, free in general, but definitely while traveling you need to make sure that you're prepared and just look up some things. I mean I'll look study the menu if I can find an ingredient list I do. Um, and I just try to find the best options that I can. Now, going back to Maui, I will say that was, it was really hard. Um, you know, I love, I'm such a beach person. That is like my number one type of vacation is I want to be at the beach and lay on the, you know, beach, maybe read a good book. Go snorkeling, swimming, I love being on a boat, all that stuff. So Maui is pretty much a dream vacation for me. But it was really hard because it made me realize how much food played such a huge role in my life. And now, you know, two months into going sugar and flour free, food was slowly becoming less important and more of a way to fuel my body than, you know, just eat everything that tastes good. Um, so it still was difficult, though. Um, we did go to the grocery store. It was awesome. The place that we stayed had these grills that every night, you know, as the sun was setting, we would grill chicken or fish or steak, whatever we had gotten from the store. Um, and then I'd make some vegetables with it. We had a full kitchen basically in the place we were staying so we were able to cook all of our meals and it was really fun being able to like you know sit outside at the ocean have our dinner we'd play a game watch the sunset it was really really awesome um what was harder for me there was not being able to drink you know since I still haven't had any alcohol either you know there is sugar and alcohol and I'm still figuring that out if I'm going to try to add it back in but to be honest I'm really scared that it will trigger me to want more sugar and then it's just not even worth it to me so I think I'm still you know considering maybe just not adding alcohol back in at all but that's still too scary for me to confirm so that's why I say I'm still thinking about it. But in Maui especially, it was so hard because I just wanted to have a beer with my husband, you know, watching the sunset. Um, I love all the tropical drinks there, you know, like pina coladas and, you know, that's something I don't typically drink that much anyway. But when you're in a place at the beach, you know, a frozen pina colada Or the lava flows, which is like half pina colada, half strawberry puree, just was so, just sounded so good, especially when you're hot. So I did drink, you know, a lot of iced tea, which I can have, and water with lemon, which I really love too. But I would say the hardest part about that Maui trip was not having a lava flow. And I would even look at the ingredients in the lava flow on the menu and it would just say you know pineapple puree strawberry puree and here my little sugar gremlin was trying to talk to me and be like well that's just fruit you still eat fruit you still you could have this I mean it really was trying to get me to have this lava flow but luckily I held strong and I just said no no But there was every single day that tempted me, you know, multiple times throughout the day of, you know, one lava flow isn't going to hurt. That's not going to do anything. But I really just stuck to it because I had told myself no sugar, no flour, no alcohol included for a full year. And I just didn't want to cheat myself out of that. I thought, you know, I deserve to give this the full experiment of one full year, you know, in the past, I had tried giving stuff up and never lasted long. And I just thought, you know, I need to do it a full year. It's the only way I'm going to see any kind of benefits. I can't just keep having a lava flow here and there and expect to see changes. So luckily, I stuck with it. Um, I also remember we went out to lunch one day. And I think it was like a cheeseburger in paradise or something. And I got a like black bean bean burger, like a veggie burger with a side salad instead of French fries. Um, French fries was another thing that I really, really missed eating. Um, And now I don't even really honestly even think about it. But again, two months in, I was still, it was really hard for me, you know, get the side salad instead and they didn't have any, you know, dressing, salad dressing that I could eat. So I just asked for some olive oil. And I remember they gave me like a little thing of oil, but it it was not olive oil. I mean, the quality wasn't great. It was probably some kind of vegetable oil. So I didn't even buy, I think I just ate the salad plain, you know. So I'm having this burger and the lettuce and probably a nice tea. And I'm looking at Chris having this amazing cheeseburger with french fries and his beer And I couldn't help but have, you know, a little pity party for myself. Like, why does he get to eat that? And I don't, you know, it's just not fair. But then I started thinking for some reason about like looking at my food and looking at Chris's, I thought, but what's that doing inside of him? You know, I'm picturing him eating this like cheeseburger and these greasy French fries and what that's doing inside of his body versus me eating this pretty clean black bean burger and some, you know, a nice salad. And I started trying, you know, that helped me a lot through this process of, especially when I wasn't seeing any changes on the outside yet, I really focused on all the positive things going on in the inside that I couldn't see, you know, because I know that sugar and flour are really... um cause inflammation in the body and inflammation causes all types of things you know from you know cancer, diabetes, uh, diseases, even arthritis, so many different conditions in your body that can get triggered by having a lot of inflammation. So I just try to picture you know just all of those Switches for those types of congestions being flipped to off because all of a sudden i 'm lowering you know the inflammation throughout my body, and I just try to focus on that when I was having what I would call like my pity party days of oh it's just not fair like why can't I eat this? why can't I be a person that can just have a lava flow and not then have to gorge on you know a whole chocolate cake um, it just. I just had to keep reminding myself, you know, of how pretty I was looking on the inside and how grateful my body was, you know, that I was no longer, um, you know, giving it all of the sugar and flour that was really causing damage. And again, getting closer to turning 40, I just knew it was more important than ever that I really start taking care of myself because, You know, I think we feel invincible in our, you know, especially teenage years, but our 20s too, of really kind of being able to bounce back from a lot of the bad choices that we might be making that we're giving our, you know, feeding ourselves. And that was no longer, I wasn't really bouncing back like I used to. So I knew with that big 40 coming, it was just going to get harder and harder to you know maintain the way I was eating without seeing more and more problems and you know not just stuff like gaining weight but serious things like diabetes or heart disease or you know cancer Um, I just thought again thinking about my overall health not just what I was looking like on the outside but what am I doing to my body on the inside and that helped kind of anchor me on those days that I was really struggling with cravings, really struggling with um, feeling sorry for myself that I couldn't be just one of those, you know, people that are able to have, like Chris is, you know, have a cheeseburger and fries and then go on to have a healthy dinner and it not affect them at all. So, um It was challenging, and I would say the the alcohol was the hardest part in Maui because we had this beautiful weather, basically like 80, 80 degrees and sunny every day. So we didn't get super hot, but you know how good, you know, a cold beer or some kind of blended drink would taste. And that was the most challenging, and I just did it, and I thought, you know, I'm um, In Maui, I can still swim and snorkel and read my book on the beach. Those are the things I'm going to concentrate on, all the things that I can do instead of the things that I can't eat or drink. So I got through Maui. You know, I survived that. That was really the first big trip that I did. And, um, you know, I told myself, All these new experiences that I have this first year is probably going to bring up some triggers of these ingrained habits that I didn't even know I had because they just became so automatic like buying a bag of peanut M&M's. I wouldn't have even thought that was part of my travel routine until I went to travel and just went to do it automatically. So I knew that a lot of these ingrained habits were going to come up. And it was just reprogram- reprogramming myself to say, no, we don't do that anymore and starting these new habits. But that's what I feel like this whole first year has been. and it's And it was really difficult. You know, I just hope each year, each day, it gets easier and easier. And it has, you know, now that I'm over my year, it's gotten a lot, lot easier. You know, I'm reading back on my journey last year trying to finish up my book and I can barely even relate to the person that I used to be anymore because I've changed so much from where I was this time last year so you know hang in there you know there you'll you're definitely going to go through some really hard days but I promise that it is going to get better and then it's going to be so worth it And then you're going to get to the point of where I am now, where you can't even imagine ever going back. And it feels miraculous to me still. So I know what a huge transformation I went through. Um, But I, I know that you can too. So after my Maui trip, I did not travel again until May. And I had a trip planned east to the east coast to see my family and, um, I also, that's when I started adding back in this travel director work and this time, you know, not full time cause I have a regular full time job, but just as, um, contract work. And this was really great for me because I miss doing events. That's really my background and how I've spent most of my career is event planning, But you travel a lot, you work long days, and it's really hard when you have kids to to maintain that. So now I have a different type of job that is really, really flexible, but it is a little boring for me some days. So I have this perfect balance now of being able to travel about once a month and do my travel director work where I get to be on-site. Do this event um, you know sometimes I work really long days and it's a lot of fun but by the time I get back I'm exhausted and I can't wait to get back to my boring job again so I really think life is all about balance and for me this has been a really important and huge balance in my career life is having you know the base job that kind of covers the bills then doing this event work that provides a little extra income for Chris and I which is needed but also gives me a little like you know just helps me with my passion for travel and the event world I get to kind of have my foot in both right now where there's no way I'd want to do event work full time it's just really the perfect balance and being a contractor if I'm unavailable I can always say No, when you're full-time, you know, you just don't have that luxury. So I started doing this work in May. So by that point, I had a good four months under my belt. And when I went to um, Pennsylvania, I just started bringing a lot of stuff with me, you know, like my chia seeds, flax seeds, stuff that I would make my smoothie with. Um, I would tell my family, I think in May, I started voicing more when i was was going to stay with my family on the east coast that i wasn't eating sugar or flour where before i had held that really close to myself in case i you know fell off the wagon i didn't want to disappoint anyone and i've tried so many different diets and you know ways of eating throughout the years i feel like i was just a little hesitant to say oh here i am doing something else only to fail again so you know, after having four months, I was feeling a little more confident about sharing that with my family. And I do think, you know, that's up to you. But the more and, you know, kind of my feedback from the family was, the more you can tell them what you're doing and explain why you're doing it, the more supportive they can be. And so, you know, um, going to the east coast it was no problem I just kind of gave a list of foods that I could eat I got to the grocery store and it really was pretty easy um, being able to communicate that and I still had my smoothie you know I still ate pretty much the same way that I eat at home and just was careful on the things if there were some items that I couldn't eat I just didn't eat them so it really wasn't um too challenging but I did then tack on right after that trip my first kind of on-site work and again eating hotel food or eating in restaurants you really don't know the ingredients always and a lot of times they're making things the same dish you might make but very differently So I find myself just always asking if whether I'm at a restaurant or a hotel, you know, is there any sugar in this? Is there any flour in this? You know, are you able to just make this with, you know, saute my vegetables or I'm really not scared to ask anymore. I used to be concerned that I was being high maintenance or pain or whatever. Um, But there are so many people now. With different kind of allergies and restrictions, I think it's kind of become the norm where if you do ask something or, you know, ask for something to be made a certain way, it's just more of the norm and it really isn't an inconvenience and I just kind of kept reminding myself that Uh, again I've worked so hard I don't want to blow it just because I'm afraid to ask you know oh is that is there any flour in that or is there any sugar in that so um, it's been challenging though with you know hotel food and restaurant food of even when you ask not you know they don't always know maybe what's in it so you know once I was at that four month but Definitely as I've gotten further and further in five, six, seven months, the more I traveled, the more confident I felt in just doing the best that I could. You know, for instance, like I know at home I buy a special type of bacon that has no sugar or sweetener of any kind in it. Um, But most likely when I order bacon in a restaurant or in a hotel, They're probably not using that. But now I feel more confident having a piece of bacon that might have the little bit of sugar in it because I don't notice that it triggers me. In the beginning, that idea terrified me. You know, I was so afraid and I was working so hard to stay sober. I did not want to have anything that would, um, you know, risk that at all. So now, though, and I think this is where everyone is different and you have to see if that's true for you or not but you know it doesn't seem like the amount of sugar whatever is in bacon if I do have a piece at a hotel or at the restaurant you know affects me at all or triggers me to want more you know instead it's harder I have to stay away from a lot of times on these Events. I'm on the food and beverage team. So I'm looking at menus all day and looking at food all day. And you know, at these conferences, it's like a vacation mindset for how people are eating for the most part. You know, they go to a conference and they kind of feel like, you know, they're on vacation. So they're going to eat, indulge a lot more than they usually do. So a lot of the breaks and snacks have brownies and cookies and even you know lunch will have dessert and then dinner has dessert so here I am looking at all this food all day and sometimes you know that was really challenging because things would look really good and sometimes I had to remind myself you know that probably does not taste as good as it looks and or you know maybe sometimes it did but it was reminding myself I just don't do that anymore Because when I was full-time doing this in my early 20s, I just said yes to everything. And we didn't always know when we were going to eat or how much time we had to eat. And so if it was, you know, I would eat a brownie every day or a cookie, whatever these, um, you know, baked goods were that they had out on the snack breaks. And a lot of times the hotel would treat our staff and bring in a bunch of desserts and You know, I never was able to eat them in moderation, so having one brownie led to wanting another and another and another, and I picked up a lot of bad habits when I was full-time, you know, from having the Cinnabon in the airport every time when I went through, and then ice cream and brownies and cookies, all this stuff, and I just remember by the end of the trip, I would be feeling so gross. Um, You know, even if I was exercising, it was hard to make up for just overindulging like that so much. Um, So, you know, being back on the road now, it feels so much better just saying no to that stuff. Um, You know, being in San Jose last week, there was a lot of sweets kind of that could tempt me, but I'm just so used to saying, nope. I don't do that anymore. I barely even give things a second glance. Um, And I know that I need to make sure I am able to eat something. So that's why a lot of times if I find out that I have a hotel that I can have a fridge, I will even bring hard-boiled eggs with me. So I know that in the morning at least I have hard-boiled eggs or as a snack, something that I know I can eat. Um, Because I've had a few times where... I'm on these programs, and it's really nice the client might provide us staff meals, but it could be something like egg sandwiches in the morning or you know a lot of different types of sandwiches or pizza or spaghetti you know things that i can't eat anymore and i've had to skip meals um, or I might just have they might have you know pizza and like a small little salad with just some lettuce and tomatoes but all I'm eating is the salad of the lettuce and tomatoes Um, and then you know I'll try to make sure that I get something else later but you know sometimes that happens and sometimes there was in San Jose two nights By the time I had an opportunity to have dinner, it was just so late. I just didn't even feel like eating anymore. So I might just have, you know, a little bit of popcorn in my room just so I could, you know, go to sleep. And then I'd wake up and try to make sure I had a better breakfast. A lot of times at these events, we have steel-cut oatmeal. And from the hotel, that is always so yummy to me. So that's something... I don't typically eat at home anymore because I really burnt myself out on that a few years ago, but it's something at the hotel that I really look forward to, and I think I've said before, I I have a pretty big appetite, and I'm not someone to typically skip meals. Um, You know, I know intermittent fasting is really popular right now, and that's something that I always um, feel interested to try, but then stress get stressed out even thinking about skipping a meal because I know for me getting too hungry can trigger me but I think I end up kind of intermittent intermittent fasting on some of these trips almost by accident and I am totally fine you know when I do skip a meal Um, but I think again in the beginning that would have been really challenging for me and probably would have triggered me more but now that I have a year behind me, I can, uh, feel like I'm a little more flexible, um, and I'm confident in my sobriety and I'm more comfortable knowing what I can eat, what I can't eat. It's just gotten easier and easier on the road. Um, so now, yeah, I am, I am definitely more confident than I was in the beginning of this process but I'm still always gonna say no you know to the brownies the cookies the desserts and I'm more comfortable now telling people too. yeah I just I don't eat sugar or flour you know and now I share my website with them or my podcast Um, so it's easier for me now in the beginning sometimes and I have no idea why but I was like embarrassed to tell people that I, I, I don't know why you know, I, I maybe I still I guess feel like I have a little shame around being a sugar addict. You know, I feel embarrassed about that. Um, I wish it wasn't that way, and I still get a little bit embarrassed uh, when I say that I you know that I don't drink alcohol, and I don't know why. You know, I say you know I'm, I'm not doing sugar and flour, so I'm not having any alcohol. Because um, a lot of times on these events too. You know, we'll celebrate the end of a long day with a glass of wine or in San Jose. They it was really nice. The hotel gave us a really nice bottle of rose, which I don't like anyway. I'm not a champagne or sparkling wine kind of person. I don't I don't like to drink that even when I am drinking. But it's kinda of hard for me to say, yep, you know, I don't do that. Um, but it's getting easier and I don't know why I feel embarrassed around it or whatever. So I am just trying to speak up about that more and more and just be open, you know, and say, yeah, sorry. Um, I also, I have a trip that I'm doing at the end of the month. And typically we get paid a per diem every day. So if there isn't a staff meal or if there is and there's something that I can't eat, I have a per diem that I can use and I'll go and get something outside of the hotel. That's where looking up the restaurants in advance really come in handy um, because I'll go get something with my per diem so that I have, you know, a meal that I can eat. And sometimes I'll get like even get something that's kind of expensive, but I know I can eat it. It's I know it's organic meat, um, and then I'll split that up for like lunch and dinner. I, I always try to get a fridge in my room if I can. Um. So, but in this trip that I'm doing, the end of the month, we found out that the client is just going to provide staff meals and no per diem, and that kind of worried me because I know from experience sometimes staff meals are things like egg sandwiches or pizza, spaghetti, and there might be something I can't eat and then I no longer have this extra money to go out and get a meal if I need to. And so I had to like hesitated for a, for a second about it, but then I just thought, "No, I need to be honest that this is me." So, just like other people have these dietary restrictions, you know, so do I. So, I was just really honest and said, you know, Um, that's fine. I'm just a little worried because I don't eat sugar and I don't eat flour. And anyway, it came out that if they are going to share the menus with me ahead of time, and if there's anything that I'm not able to eat, uh, I'll be able to expense a different meal. So they made that work for me and they wouldn't have known or been able to accommodate me if I hadn't spoken up, um, if I hadn't told them. So make sure you speak up, um, And let people know what you're eating and why, especially as you get more and more comfortable with it and you're able to see how much better you feel. You know, I've had so many people, when I tell them, share that with them, they're like, wow, I could never do that. And I just encourage them that, yes, I thought I could never do it, but here I am. So if I can do it, certainly anybody else can do it. So I just, again, kind of want to recap that, you know, you can stay sugar and flour free while traveling or eating on the go. For me, I fly, I don't drive a lot of places, but I know there's many people that spend um, a lot of times in their car. And I think it's the same type of thing. Finding those restaurants like a Chipotle or, you know, those faster food places that you can count on for a meal that fits the criteria, you know, if no sugar and no flour, but you can still get on the go and that works for you. Or if you're entertaining clients at a dinner, um, you know, and, and that's another thing that can be difficult. Um, but I think it's just sharing with them, you know, yeah, you, please go ahead and order a dessert. I just don't eat sugar or flour. And again, that's something that was hard for me to do before but now I just speak up about it because I think again there are so many people out there now with dietary restrictions that no one even blinks an eye about it so please speak up for yourselves and be prepared you know when you are traveling try to do some research like I do as far as what terminal am I flying out of even at the airport what's going to be there or do I need to get something on my way You know, I think the more prepared you are, the better um, you'll be able to deal with any triggers that are unexpected and might pop up. You know, make sure you bring your own food, especially if you're in the car. I mean, you could pack yourself a little cooler. Um, You know, traveling on an airplane is harder, but I do pack a lot of food with me. And it's just a way, again, that I know that I can get, I have something to eat. So being prepared is really super important. And I feel like we're so lucky at this, you know, information age where there's so much you can look up online about restaurants, ingredients ahead of time, that there's really no reason to not, you know, be prepared and give yourself the best chance. So traveling really is such a passion of mine. And it was something that I was really afraid I wouldn't be able to enjoy while trying to be sugar and flour free and I am so glad to say you know it is not an issue at all for me it's just gotten easier and easier the more I travel and I can't wait to go to Italy Chris and I are going to Italy in March and you know before I wouldn't even have been able to you know conceive of the idea of going to Italy and not eating pasta and pizza and gelato. you know that would my whole point of ever going to Italy would be to like eat my face off. And now here I am, you know, actually excited just to go to Italy and enjoy the sights. So um, you know, food is no longer <laughs> the main focus for me of traveling. I actually like to travel just to enjoy the experiences. And so anyway, I hope that helped you. Please, as always, feel free to send me an email at, or you, know, you can go to my website, www.unsweetensio.com, Send me an email and let me know if you have any questions. I love hearing from you and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.